So this week, we are going to start a new series, uh, a new series on the book of Colossians. I don't know if you've read the book of Colossians before. I don't know if you've even heard of the book of Colossians before. It's a very small book in the uh, second half in the New Testament of the Bible written by the Apostle Paul. And what we're going to do is this, is that uh, each week we are going to go through a little bit of our uh, passages, a little bit of Colossians. I'm going to unpack one particular theme in our sermons and then in our community groups, as well as hopefully having a lot of fun and silliness, uh, we're also going to uh, unpack a little bit more of what that passage means for us in our individual lives. But I also want to encourage you this, as we go through the book of Colossians, um, it's really great to do uh, personal study and personal quiet time. So it might be that you want to grab hold of a Bible. Maybe you've got a Bible already at home. Uh, Maybe you don't. Uh, If not, um, we'd totally recommend getting an NIV translation or an ESV translation or an NLT translation of the Bible. Um, But also, if not, you can get it on a free app or on a website. And we're going to go through the book of Colossians uh, together. And today what we're going to do is we're going to start in chapter one and thinking particularly about this question. How on earth do we cultivate a life of gratitude even in the middle of very tough and difficult times. So we we pray with me and then we will go into our reading for today. Father, we thank you uh, that you're faithful. We thank you for that you're good. We're thankful that you have provided for us and as we've just taken up an offering, we're thankful that we get to participate in the work of the kingdom uh, with you uh, here in Pasadena and alongside brothers and sisters all over the world. And as we enter into this little study on the book of Colossians, pray that you'd open up our hearts, you'd open up our minds, you'd open up our spirits to hear what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's have our reading for today. Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 22. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. To God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear friend, fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continue, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from dominion of of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers 
or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything we might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through his reconciled to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you in his holy sight without blemish and free from accusation. Thank you, Jessica. So the context of Colossians goes like this. Paul, uh, the apostle, is in lockdown in Rome. He was under house arrest probably around AD 60 or AD 61, awaiting trial. We don't know exactly his circumstances. We think he may have even been chained to a Roman guard. What we do know, though, is that he had no freedom. He had no ability to travel. He had no ability to continue the normal work that he did of planting churches in Gentile communities. He had no ability to continue his normal life. But yet... He wrote. He wrote because he heard of a church, a church that was far away from him, a church that had been planted, a church that he'd not even started himself. He was over in Rome, and we've got a little map to show you where he was. He was in Rome in Italy, and he was planting, he had heard about a church that was planted right on the way on the other side of the Mediterranean in modern day Turkey. And he wanted to write to them because he knew that they were going through a time of ups and downs. So you can imagine why we might have chosen the book of Colossians to study right now, because we think it's probably got lots to speak to us about. But all the way through uh, Paul's letter, from the beginning all the way through to the end, is this theme of gratitude, a theme of thankfulness. His thankfulness to the church in Colossae for what they're doing, for the kingdom that is coming through them, but also the encouragement to them to carry on being thankful. And it comes up over and over again in his letters. In chapter one, he prays that they might be thankful. Chapter two, he says that the mark of the Christian is to overflow with thankfulness. Chapter three, he says again, be thankful, uh, worship with thankfulness in your heart. In all circumstances, be thankful. And then in chapter four, he says, devote yourselves to prayer and be thankful. Paul knew that there was something really important, something vital in the Christian faith about a heart, an attitude, the virtue of gratefulness or gratitude. If you can remember two weeks back to when we looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan, we thought about the blessings that come through generosity, about how generosity is good not just for the world, not just in the kingdom, but generosity is also good for our own hearts. And today I want to just pair that up with something which is a very similar and equal value, which is uh, the blessing that comes through gratitude. And I want to start by just looking at three ways, three ways that we are blessed by gratitude. The first is this, when we are thankful, we are blessed emotionally. When we're thankful, we're blessed emotionally. Um, Paul links joy in suffering to gratitude. He says in verse 11 of Colossians chapter one, may you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. That's why uh, gratitude, thankfulness is often thought of as a, as a parent virtue or a gateway virtue, which means that when we're grateful, it brings birth to joy. 
to peace, to patience, to all sorts of wonderful things emotionally in our lives. But without gratitude, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but without gratitude, it's very, very easy to go down a very slippery slope, which looks like this. Disappointment, envy, comparison, resentment, bitterness, obsession, revenge, worry. This last week, uh, in the spirit of trying to improve what we're doing on our services, to continue to grow uh, our ministry and join in with all that God's doing, I decided I would go and check out a whole bunch of other churches in LA that we know and love and look at all their online streams. I can tell you, after about 30 minutes of watching, I was so despondent. I was so sad. I think I was pretty much depressed because I looked at all their streams and I was like, oh my goodness, they're better than us. They can do this, or they have this resource, or they have the ability to do this, or they've got this space, or they're good at this, and they're so much better than us uh, at that. And I found myself just in this incredibly negative place. But I remembered. I remembered what I was supposed to be speaking on today. I remembered that we're supposed to be a people who start in gratitude. And so I started to give thanks. I started to thank God for the lives that have been changed, for the people who've come to faith, for the stories of what God is building in vintage Pasadena. And it was incredible to see emotionally how quickly I went from a place of sadness and comparison into a place of peace and joy and hope and endurance. So when we're thankful, we're blessed emotionally. But actually, when we're thankful, we're also blessed physically. Um, Harvard Medical School, uh, very famously, says this. Uh, Research has showed that practicing gratitude boosts the immune system. It bolsters resilience to stress. It lowers depression. It increases feelings of energy, determination, and strength. And it even helps you sleep better at night. I don't know if anyone else needs that right now. In fact, few things have been more repeatedly and empirically vetted than the connection between gratitude and overall happiness and well-being. So there are actually physical benefits as well as emotional benefits to gratitude. But there's also a third thing as well, is that when we're thankful, when we have gratefulness, we are blessed spiritually. Gratitude opens up the door of God's power into your life. And if you know this little story, in, John, in Luke chapter 17, Jesus heals 10 lepers and they all race off to tell everyone what's happened. But only one leper returns in thankfulness, in gratitude for what's happened. And as he returns, he receives a further blessing. Um, Stan Guthrie famously writes, a thankful heart always leads to more blessings, even if, as for many of us in this economy, we seemingly don't have a lot to be thankful for. The blessings may come quietly, they may come unexpectedly or in disguise, but come they will. But, he says, we must choose gratitude to receive them for our own good. So how on earth, you might be thinking, do we have any sense of gratefulness when we're living in a time like this one? Well, before I answer that question directly, let me just say two things about what I think gratefulness, thankfulness, gratitude is definitely not. Gratitude, firstly, is definitely not pretending that everything's okay when it's not. I don't know if you've ever been to a church service. If you can even remember going back to church services back in the day when we physically did that. And uh, there's always that time in a church service, isn't there, where you say good morning to someone, like, how are you doing? And uh, you go like, oh, are you okay? And the person goes, oh, yeah, I'm, f- I'm great. I'm fantastic. Or if they're like a true Californian, they say, I'm awesome. 
And uh, then you look them in the eye and you think, but hold on a minute, you seem to be crying. You seem to be in a world of pain, but yet you're telling me everything is fine. There is something in the Christian faith that can lead us to behave like that sometimes. Gratitude, however, is not pretending everything's all right. And gratitude equally is not trying to avoid any pain in our life. It's not going through making all the choices to think, oh, I mustn't suffer because if I suffer, I won't be able to be grateful and that would be a bad thing. No, actually, Paul says that the blessings of gratitude, they flow as we learn little by little to be grateful in the pain and in the suffering. So how is, how is it possible? How is it possible to be grateful in the middle of it? Well, Paul says that we learn to be grateful in three ways. Firstly, we have gratitude for what God has done in the past. Last week, we had a little bit of a different service, and I'm so sorry that you didn't get your three-point sermon with the Bible reading and all the normal things, but we wanted to take some time to remind each other, hey, you know what? This Pasadena journey has not been our journey. This vintage story wasn't one that we wrote. This is about what God has done in the past, and that's why we have gratitude. But also in verse 12, it says, he, Paul says this, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. That the gratitude that Paul wants us to have about the past is partly about what God has physically done, but also it's about who God is. It's about the eternal story that God has been writing. Paul's praying that they might give thanks because of what God has already done in their lives in the past. And the biggest story, of course, which we celebrated at Easter, is that as we become Christians, that our whole destiny is altered, that because of Jesus's death and resurrection on the cross, that we are no longer citizens of darkness heading for a life of destruction, but actually we are citizens of light, which means we're forgiven, which means that we're free. That means that everything around us is not everything that there exists because God has been faithful in the past and he will be again right now in the future. But it's hard, isn't it, to remember that. If you're, if you're like me as a Christian, it's easy to have spiritual amnesia. It's easy to forget of the good things that God has done in the past when we're faced with challenges in the present. It's easy to forget what God's done for us, who he is, how much he loves us, how much we've already been blessed by him, all the things that Jesus did for us. That is so easy to forget. And I think that's probably why the psalmist in Psalm 103 says this, praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and with compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Even when we choose, even when we forget, we actually have to make a choice, a choice to recognize what God has done in the past. But also, secondly, Paul says that gratitude comes from what God is doing in the present. Paul not only looks to the past, but he also looks to what God's kingdom looks like here on earth in the present moment. He says in verse three, we always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Paul is in lockdown. Paul's not able to go and travel and help this church plant. He's not able to go and preach. He can't do anything except for write a letter. But one of the reasons he's so thankful is because he knows that even then, even though the whole plan has gone to mess, God is still working. The gospel is still spreading. The church was growing. 
And it's interesting, if you ever think about Paul's life, if you ever ask someone, hey, what do you know about the Apostle Paul? Very likely what they'll say to you is this. They'll say, oh, Paul, he was the guy who wrote all those letters in the Bible. And of course he did. But as far as we know, Paul didn't write those letters when he was out on great missionary tours. He didn't write those letters when he was planting churches. He didn't write those letters as he was traveling from place to place doing incredible physical ministry. Actually, the letters that Paul wrote were written from prison. They were written from lockdown. They were written when he was suffering and in pain. Now, I bet Paul didn't at those moments think, oh, brilliant, it's so great, I'm in jail. I can't do all the things that I want to do. Paul probably didn't know that those letters would go on to be read by billions of people around the world and that their lives would be impacted by them. But even in the lockdown, even in the pain, God's kingdom was coming. God's will was being done. And that's true, isn't it, for us even now today. God is working. I feel like so often we uh, read this verse right now, but it feels like the verse of this time for us as Christians in that Romans 8, 28, when it says this, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Like gratitude is the trigger to release, to activate, to help us understand that God will always work, even when we can't see it. A little bit later on in the service, we're gonna sing that song, Waymaker. It's such a brilliant song, and it's just got this, this line in it. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. And that's what we choose to understand, is that right now, even though life doesn't look like we want it to do, God is still working. And then thirdly this, uh, Paul has gratitude for the past, he has gratitude for the present, but Paul also has gratitude for what God will continue to do in the future. Gratitude is rooted not in our control of the future, but in the fact that the control of the future lies with God. Um, Paul quotes this incredible hymn of praise. If, if you ever wanna write a worship song, worship leaders, Daniel, Joe, Megan, This is a great verse to build your worship song around. He says in verse 15, the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and things in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Although there's this bit about the past that Paul speaks about, he also rests his hope in the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Paul is grateful that in God, things hold, that he holds the future together, that my future, fortunately, like yours, is not actually the whim of my finances or my job or my health but actually I can have gratitude that one day when Jesus returns, there will be no sickness, there will be no more pain, there will be no more uncertainty, there will be no more suffering because that is what God has done. Um, I said last week that I grew up on this little tiny island when I was little, uh, I was born on this island, which is off the south coast of England. It's separated by a five mile stretch of water called the Solent. And it's very rough, it's very windy. And the only way to get backwards and forwards from the Isle of Wight to uh, the south coast of England is by little ferries. And I learned to, to work out pretty quickly who were the locals on the island and especially who the yachtsmen were versus who the, little, who the holiday makers were. Because when the boat was in port, everybody was ch- would chat away normally and it would be totally fine. But as the boat would leave the harbour and go out into the sea, you would see the sailors, you would see the locals start to look out of the window. 
Whereas the holiday makers would just start chatting away. Except as the holiday makers carried on chatting away, you would see them as the waves came in and the wind and the rain, you would see them going greener and greener and greener and looking worse and worse and worse. But the locals, the yachtsmen, what they would do is this. They would look out to the horizon. They would look out of the ship and they would look to the place where the ship is heading, the mainland. And as they look out to the mainland, it gave them a fixed point. It gave them a moment of uncertainty. It allowed all that fluid that flows around our ears and affects our balance and all those kind of things to settle into the right places. And as they did that, they were able to settle themselves because they knew where they were going. They had a fixed point. And Paul tells us that we are to have that fixed point in our life, which is the fixed point of knowing that we are saved, that we are redeemed, and that one day our future is in heaven for those of us who know and love the Lord Jesus Christ, which is incredible. But there is a real difference. There's a real difference between feeling grateful and maybe if you're like me, it's quite easy not to feel grateful right now and actually being grateful. But in this, another beautiful uh, verse that Paul says, Philippians 4, 8, he says this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever is pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, those are the things we're to think about. We have to fix our eyes on those things. So how do we do it though? In reality, how do we put these things into our lives? And I just want to finish by just pulling out a few very practical things to help us. The first one is this. Actually, gratitude, we've got to practice it. We've got to practice it. If, like me, it's probably not something that's going to immediately come to bear in your life, particularly as you wake up in the morning, you bounce out of bed, and just, I'm so grateful for everything. And if you live with somebody who is like that, I'm really sorry. Gratitude actually takes a little bit of practice. Maybe that you want to get a journal that you want to just every day start to write down the things that you're grateful. They might be really small things, they might be big. That's exactly why we're going to have some good news stories each week in our Sunday services. But there's also this very ancient prayer called the examine that the church around the world has been using for hundreds and hundreds of years. It, It sounds very spiritual, but it's very simply this. It's taking time at the end of every day or the beginning of the next day simply to stop and be thankful for the things that have happened, to replay the day. You might start with like, hey, breakfast. What did I do after breakfast? And you just go through like that. Now, sometimes when you do that, things will come up, which you just know, think, oh man, I so shouldn't have said that. Or I so shouldn't have done that. And that can be a moment of confession, which is really important too. But so often when I'm in those places, that those moments, they lead to being able to go, oh, thank you, God. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that one minute chat that I had with the postman as he delivered my bills this morning, whatever it might be that gratitude flows as we remember what God's done. So we have, to, we have to practice gratitude, but we also have to like learn just to show gratitude as well as Paul did. And that kind of gratitude that we show goes both horizontally and it also goes vert- ver- um, vertically as well. Horizontally, Paul was so good at showing gratitude for each other, to one another. Paul wrote a a list, a letter, and sent it to them. Now, uh, we probably don't send a lot of letters right now, but what would it look like if, for example, today, we all sent six texts, six messages, six Instagram messages, whatever it might be, on WhatsApp or wherever, just saying something like this, hey, friend, I'm so sorry we've not been able to see each other recently, but I just want you to know that I'm so grateful, I'm so 
so thankful for your friendship. And even though we can't see each other, I just think the impact that that could have if today we sent 500, 600 messages like that on our uh, world. But also that that gratitude is not just horizontally, but we actually have to show it vertically as well. And we do it through worship. We do it for the past. We do it for the present. And we do it for what God is going to do in the future. And so as I finish, what I really want us to do is I want us to just take a moment to invite the Holy Spirit uh, to, to allow gratitude to come and fill our hearts again. And after I've prayed, after we've taken a moment to wait on the Holy Spirit, what we're going to do is we're going to go into a time of communion. And communion is this most incredible moment when we remember it's when we have gratitude. It's when we pinpoint the moment in history when the whole of the eternal story was changed because of what Jesus did on the cross. Um, and so um, after I've prayed, if you do have some bread and some wine, please do feel free um, to grab that. But let's take a moment. Let's just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come and free our hearts, maybe where we're in a place of despondency or negativity, to come into a place of gratitude.